Thank you for downloading the Paragon Church Men in Black at the Movies podcast from July 1st. There are so many quotes from the movie Men in Black 3 that we could have used. Things like the most destructive force in the universe, regret. A miracle is what seems impossible but happens anyway. The bitterest truth is sweeter than the sweetest lies. The truth is the only path. And to understand the future, we have to go back in time. All those would preach, but I instead decided to go with the flashy thing. I hope you enjoyed today's sermon, and I take it to heart. Have a great day. I've been enjoying doing the At the Movies series, and one of the things I've enjoyed is, uh, is getting to go watch movies, to build sermons off of it. And uh, this week I went and saw Men in Black 3, and interesting movie. I was sitting there watching it, and I'm thinking to myself, what could I possibly do? I mean, I'm already excited about doing Brave next week. We're going to be talking about... Um, just missing God's mark and the rebellion that happens in our lives and the, the split that takes place. And if you've seen the movie, maybe you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you haven't, go see it this week. Um, it's kind of dark and scary for a Pixar movie, actually. But um, as I was thinking about that, and I'm thinking about uh, August 12th, when we're going to have the Batmobile outside. The actual, like, 1960s Batmobile will be here, uh, as long as the guy remembers. But um, the, uh, looking forward to that. And I was thinking, what, what can I do for Men in Black and I got to thinking about that particular clip. Now, that particular clip was in the first one back, I think, when I was in high school. And uh, I was looking at that and watching it and thinking, what do we know? Why do we know what we know? How can we be so sure on the things that we know? Because we have a tendency to speak with authority when we feel passionate about something. Well, why and how do we know that we are correct? What is it that brings us along that says, yeah, this is you. This is me. This is what we're all about. I don't, I don't understand. Um, let me just give you a, an example. Anybody in here like eating breakfast? Yeah, I like eating breakfast, okay? Uh, I think Wex, that is God's gift to New Mexico, okay? The, I'm just letting you know that. Um, I got to go to a place this week uh, called Tim's Place. It's over on the other side of town. And it's uh, actually a, a real cool little restaurant run by a, a Down Syndrome guy. It, it's the only uh, operator, owner, uh, Down Syndrome in all of New Mexico. And it's, a, it, he gives, it's breakfast, lunch, and hugs. He actually has a little hug counter up on the wall, and he hugs the people who come in. And Peyton actually ordered a hug while we were there, but he was out of town, so he couldn't, couldn't give one. But we've, we promised Peyton we're going to go back so he can get a hug from Tim. And it's just a real cool little restaurant. Love it, though. It's breakfast and lunch. And if there's a breakfast and lunch choice and there's breakfast all day, I'm getting breakfast. I love breakfast. I went on a mission trip to Cuba um, a while back. And when I was in Cuba, uh, we stayed at a hotel. And their breakfast, uh, because Cuba and America don't exactly uh, work well together, most of the people who come in to vacation in Cuba are actually from uh, Europe. So they do European breakfasts. Has anybody ever eaten a European breakfast here before? Does it look anything like what a breakfast is supposed to be? No, it looks like lunch. It's meat and cheese. I mean, that's great and all for lunch. But you walk in, you're like, this isn't normal. This isn't what we know what breakfast is supposed to be like. Apparently, Europeans, among other things they don't understand, breakfast has now been added to that list. And as I think about it, and I think, what makes us right and what makes them wrong? And there's so many different things we can take in, in that whole thing. What makes what we know truth and what they know not truth? 
You know, I look at that video clip and he says, you know, people are panicking. And if we let them know everything, you know, 1,500 years ago, people just knew the earth was the center of the universe, yet it's not. You know, these things that we just know, how do we know? And how do we know what we know is right? Because you have to think about all the things that have been a part of our lives that have influenced our decision making. Your upbringing has influenced your decision making. The place where you grew up at. That influence, the friends that you have and had, that influence your decision-making and what might be true and what might not be. If you grew up in a more liberal home, that's going to lean you towards the liberal side. If you grew up in a more conservative home, that's probably going to lean you more towards the conservative side unless you're rebellious and wanted to go. You know, that is going to determine and help shape our thinking and our view of what truth actually is. And as I was watching Men in Black, there's something they use in the, in the movie there's a, a, a button that they push. It's a little neuralizer, or as Will Smith calls it throughout, the flashy thing. And what do they do with that? They flashy thing it because it, it flashes in the people's eyes. They put their Ray-Bans on. They hit it, and when that happens, it wipes their memory. And they give them a new story on why that is, and, they, and you know, it's kind of a funny thing, and the, the story that they give them. But it wipes out the things that just happened. And I got to thinking, I got to thinking, what if, what if we wiped out some of the things that we have made normal? What if we had a flashy thing that just, and it wiped everything out and we could build from scratch? Let me give you an example of why I'm thinking about this. Anybody in here like me grew up in a smoker's home? I grew up in a smoker's home. I don't know if you did or not. Um, my, my parents smoked. My grandparents smoked. My aunts and uncles smoked. Everybody smoked. It wasn't a big deal. It wasn't something that you really thought about. It was just cigarette smoke. And that, you know, there, there's things that I know now that were determined by that. But really at the time, I didn't have any idea. I mean, when I was riding in the car, you could hardly see out the front window because there's smoke. When you're in, it, it's cold outside and the windows are all rolled up, it, they crack it that much. It didn't work. There was smoke in there. You're just breathing all that junk in all the time. In the house, outside the house, it didn't matter. Everybody smoked. Didn't even think about it until my parents quit smoking. But then my grandparents and my aunts and uncles continued to smoke. And after my parents quit smoking, we got new carpet in our house, and they painted the walls. And the funny thing is they painted the walls the same color, but it looked different. And if you have grew up in a smoker's home, you know what I'm talking about. And it was completely different, and there was a different smell, and there was a different air about it. And it was like I could breathe better. There was this something I never knew about, because the whole time, my whole life I was growing up, I was sucking in these toxins, and I was sucking in all this bad stuff that we know now that secondhand smoke causes. And who knows for the two reasons, or the two times that I've had cancer, if that's what it was from, because I've never done anything like that myself. But being surrounded by that, who knows? Who knows? But I'll tell you, when I went to my grandparents' house, after my parents quit smoking, it's like you could tell. You could tell, you could smell it, you could taste it. It would get on your clothes and it would get in your hair and you could feel it and it was like different. Yet I'd grown up in that my whole life it seemed normal until I got out of it and I took a look into it. And then I realized that's not normal. That's not what it is. That's the reason why my friends whose parents didn't smoke had that weird fresh clean smell at their house that my house didn't have. You know, and it was never something that I ever thought about until I got myself out of it. So I got to thinking about it in this way. What if we had a flashy thing? that took our version of normal that is in our mind and wiped it clean away. We took the Bible in our hands and we read the Bible for what it is. Would life be different? 
Would we see things differently than the way we do with all the toxins that we suck in and all the things even that come from the church? Would things be different? Would things be different in our lives? How? Will we raise our children differently? I don't know. What about even when you walk into the church? You look at the book of Acts. If you read the book of Acts, it talks about the first church. We read the book of Acts when it lets you, you had that flashy thing and it wiped your mind completely clean. And in the process of wiping it completely clean, you read the book of Acts first and then you walked into a church. Would you recognize the same church that's in the book of Acts as the church that you walked into? Probably not. What if we had that flashy thing and it wiped us clean out and everything was back to, nor- back to just square one? And you read about the disciples who were called themselves followers of Christ and the life that they lived and the death that they died. Could we say, yep, that's me. I am a disciple of Christ. I am a follower of Christ. The, I go just hand in hand with that person. The lifestyle that I was living before the flashy thing, that is exactly what that says. Probably not. So what happens? How do we fix that? What are we supposed to do? Are we supposed to be living the life? Maybe when we do thinking about it, how are we supposed to change? What will happen to us? You know, it's funny. I was, I was looking over all this and this fresh approach if we took to us. Could we say, could we say we're like Paul? Because Paul really, isn't he the ultimate convert from the dark side, if you will? Isn't he the one that, that we could kind of model our lives after when we came from the, the negative part of who we were and, and not wanting to be with Christ to, to Christ coming into our life and changing us? Shouldn't that be kind of somebody we may model ourselves after? If you were to write a letter to a church to encourage believers, is this something that you would write? Look at Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 6, uh, 7. I'll read 6 first and then 7 will come up on the screen. I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. Pause right there for just a second. Can you say that with a straight face? That everything else is worthless when compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. So that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness though uh, through obeying the law. Rather, I became righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Honestly. If you were to say, I want to, I want to write a letter to a church to encourage them, are those the words that you would write? Are those the words that I would write? Probably not. Probably not. You know, I, uh, I was sitting with Mike Napier this week, and he was showing me one of the devotions from, uh, it's called Extreme Devotions, and it's by Voice of the Martyrs. And I'll, I'll go to persecution.org every once in a while and look at it and, and read some of the stories. But if you don't know what it is, Voice of the Martyrs is about people, both past and present, that have suffered for Christ. That lives have been uh, beaten for Christ. They've been tortured for Christ. They've been martyred or killed for Christ. 
And I think to myself when I see those things so often, is that normal? Why would you do that? Because my guess is that if America went down the tubes really fast and a socialist, communist, whatever you want to say, came in and said, all right, churches are now outlawed. You cannot meet on Sunday mornings. You can't meet at all. How would that affect our attendance? Would people still put their lives on the line to go to church? I don't know. Would I still be all right being a pastor and being marked by the government as being a pastor? Would that be something that I would want? My life be put on the line for that. That's what happens in other countries. And we look at it and say, well, that can't be normal. Maybe we're the ones that aren't normal. Because like I said, if you really read for the very first time and didn't have all the outside influences of what church says or what parents say or what anybody else says about what Christianity is supposed to be, and you took the Bible for what it is, the Bible, the Word of God, would it change who we were? Would it change the way we were? What would our change our normal? Because who defines normal anyway? What is normal? Because I think we understand that real, true Christianity, normal Christianity, should be a full, true, total devotion to Christ. A full, true, total devotion to Christ. If you don't believe me, take a look at Mark chapter 8. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35 say this. Then calling the crowd to join his disciples, he said, If any one of you, and he being Jesus Christ, if any of you, any one of you want to be my follower... You must turn from your selfish ways, take up your instrument of death and torture, the cross, and follow me. If you try and hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. The J.B. Phillips New Testament says this, If anyone wants to follow in my footsteps, he must give up all right to himself and take up his cross and follow me. Would you say that's our life? Would you say that's the lifestyle that we lead, that we take up our cross and we follow Christ and we put everything else, all of our selfish desires, to the background? I wouldn't say so. Because I think when I was reading that verse, there's a good chance in your head an excuse may have popped up. Because I know when I was writing this out, excuses were popping up in my head. But Matt, no, you don't understand. If I just work 80 hours a week for a couple more years, I'll achieve the dreams that I've always wanted. I'll make my family better. I'll have things that they need to have. I'll have things that I need to have. You don't understand. No, Matt, you don't understand. I've got the next LeBron James or the next David Beckham or the next Carrie Strug or the next amazing mathematician or musician or whatever it is you don't understand we have to devote everything to that and i'm not against doing things for our kids and pushing our kids along but not at the expense of jesus christ and the life that we're supposed to be living for him and people say you just don't understand that's not the way it is that's not the way culture operates it was so funny to me when we had our team out here from louisiana a couple weeks ago help us do our vbs they were absolutely blown away that there was a Junior Olympics going on at the stadium next door. How could they possibly have sports on a Sunday? That's what they told me. I said, because you're from Louisiana. Here, it's sports all the time. 
And they said, on Sundays, nothing else but happens but church. And on Wednesdays, the school doesn't even give homework because they want to make sure we go to church at night. <gasps> I know. It's because their normal is different than our normal. Their breakfast is different than our breakfast. It's that thinking. It's like, how does that happen? What in the world? How do we get away from that? And how do we become so sucked into the normal of what happens that we say, it's okay. It's okay if we dis- discard everything that Christ has done for us and say, we're so thankful for that. And I'm glad I get to go to heaven because I said a magic prayer. But I'm going to go ahead and throw everything aside so I can make sure that my kid becomes, I don't know, maybe the next whatever. And we push all this time and all this effort into it. And, you know, I want to read from, from the rest of that passage from Mark chapter 8. Because after verse 35, when it says, if you hang on to your life, you'll lose it. Jesus also says, and what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? And maybe you're struggling with the thought right now, well, I can't go all out. Christianity is frowned upon where I work at. It's frowned upon in the school that I go to. I might get made fun of. I might be embarrassed. What's Jesus say next? If anyone is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when he returns in glory of the Father with the holy angels. I want you to understand that's the normal we should live by. That is the normal that we should live by. Not the one that we've created, but the one that God has created. Not the one that we can say, well, if we do it this way and everybody else is doing it, we can justify putting God second or third or fourth or even further back. The normal we have should be that God comes first. And I'm sorry if I hurt your feelings. And I'm sorry if you're thinking, well, you don't have anything to say, but you'd like to say something. I I understand that. And I apologize, but I really truly believe that God has called me here to, to be a pastor and to share his word, not share the words that I would like his word to say. So today was a day that that is difficult. Today is a day that we look at and we say, I need to be changed. I want to be different. Because I think I'd be lying if I told you anything else. And you might say, well, guess what? I go to church, though, and I even serve in the nursery once every month. That That should clear me up, right? That should get me all taken care of. I even memorized verses as a kid in Awana, and I said a special prayer one time. I think if our priorities are out of whack, I've found Matthew 7 to be very uh, uncomfortable. Uncomfortable to read, uncomfortable to, to apply. But look what it says in Matthew 7, chapter 21. Not everyone who calls out to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. Only those who actually do the will of my Father in heaven will enter. Actually have their life be changed. On judgment day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name, we cast out demons in your name, and we perform many miracles in your name. But I will reply, I never knew you. Get away from me, you who break God's laws. That's a scary, scary thought. There's a lot of people sitting in a lot of churches this morning, right here, right now, all across the United States, all across the world. They're thinking, because I got this checked off my list this morning, that's one more token in my good side scale for Jesus. But that's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say, well, you have to go to church. It says, you have to follow me. You have to take up your instrument of death and torture and follow me. We are living in the middle of a cesspool of mediocrity and half-truths when it comes to American Christianity. I know that sounds like really negative words, but it is. 
It is. I mean, I've heard guys on TV, pastors on TV say that if you go drive through a neighborhood and you see a house that you want and you can't afford it, you just pray to God and God's going to bless you with that house one of these days. You just do that. And I'm like, are you serious? Are you serious? Because I'm pretty sure there's some people in Thailand right now that are hanging by bamboo shoots that are tied up for believing in Jesus Christ and they're praying, God, there's that house in Houston that I really want. And I know you're going to give that to me. That's not it. That's not what Christianity is all about. None of the disciples, if you look at all the disciples' life, only one died of natural causes. All the others were tortured and beaten and martyred. Only one, and the one that died of natural causes was tortured and beaten throughout. He just survived them. If we take our American Christian normal and throw it out the window and we flashy thing it and we start with the Bible, how should our lives be different? How should our lives be different? Well, it all starts with us doing that. We've got to get that pollution out. We've got to get the junk, the toxins that we constantly are sucking in. And we've got to look from the outside and say, what is that? I was in the middle of all that. Now I'm out here. Now I got my mind refreshed. I got my mind renewed. My heart, my spirit, it all starts there. It all starts there. We need to come to the realization that Jesus did not come to make unhappy people happy. He came to make unholy people holy. We also need to understand that he didn't come to make bad people good or sacrilegious people religious. He came to make dead people alive. And alive in him and living in the truth. King David realized it when he wrote Psalm 51. He wrote Psalm 51, and you'll look in your bulletin there. It's in there. If you don't have it, it'll be up on the screen. It says, have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love. And he wrote this after committing adultery and murder. See, because of your great compassion, blot out the stains of my sin. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night. Skipping down to verse 7. Purify my sins and I will be clean. clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain from my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew, make new again a loyal spirit within me. Make me alive again. Do not banish me from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. I'm just throwing verse after verse after verse after verse at you. I know that, but I want to look at one, one in particular this morning. It's found in Romans chapter 12. We went through it a, a couple of months ago when we went through the book of Romans, and uh, it was about transformers. And if, I'm not sure if that's one of the ones that stood out in your mind. But we talked about transformers. We talked about this. And I, I want to read verse 1 of chapter 12 to bring it into context. And then I want to read verse 12, 2 and break it down. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God. Because all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy holy being set apart, sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This truly is the way to worship him, what we talked about last week, worship. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Now, a lot of you guys have different translations of the Bible. I've been reading out of the New Living Translation this morning. But the one I remember memorizing this verse in, was the NIV, and I'd like to read that for you as well. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and His perfect will. As we get into this verse, I want to pray 
pray that God opens our hearts and opens our minds to what you have to speak to us. Father, we are so thankful for your love for us. And God, I, I apologize over and over and over again for when I fail you. For thinking of myself first, thinking of the things that I want, thinking of the things that I think I need. I've let so many polluted toxins come into my life. I've been drinking from the well of the world rather than the well of the living water that is your son, Jesus Christ. God, forgive me for that. Help change me today and continue to change me for the rest of my life to be more of what you want. I pray that prayer for myself and I pray that prayer for everybody that's sitting in here today and anybody who's listening online. We pray it all in your name. Amen. Looking at that verse, what does the verse say? What does that verse teach when it says, don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind? I think it's all said right there. We need to change. We need to be changed. If you look at our logo, look at our slogan, come as you are, be changed. Go change the world. When I very first started planting, uh, I, the idea of planting a church I was actually going to just have it be, come as you are, and leave it like that. But I, we can't do that. We can't just say, come as you are, because yeah, we all get to come as we are, but we don't get to stay as we are. That's not what God has called us to be. That's not what Jesus came to die, was just so we could go to heaven but get to stay as we were. Jesus came to die so we could have a relationship with God, so we could be followers of his, so our lives could change to be more like his, so we could live in a holy way rather than an unholy way. So I want to take a closer look at what this says about being changed. The first part of this verse says, do not conform to the pattern of the world. The Greek word for conform means to form similarly. It's the idea of having a craftsman making multiple objects at once that are the same thing and how they're supposed to be close to the same. And we as humans have the opportunity to choose. We can choose to conform to the world or we can choose to conform to something else. But we, in our nature, will conform to something. We will conform to whatever we're closest to. So our thing is, is what are we supposed to conform to? Well, Romans 8, 29 says, we're to conform to the image of Christ. 1 Peter 1, 14 says, don't conform to our former way of life and don't slip back into the worldly ways. John, uh, 1 John two fifteen says, don't let the love of the world be what you love the most. Anybody in here remember a thing called city, Silly Putty? I think Silly Putty was a fun toy. For some reason, it's hard to find. So I went to find some to try and do, you know, something this morning, kind of an object lesson for you, something you to hold on to. But Silly Putty's really fun. You can squish it up. You can make it into a ball. You can bla- bounce it. You can throw it. But it had one purpose that I think everybody in here knows what it was all about. If you had comics or if you had the newspaper or if you had anything like that and you took Silly Putty and you smooshed it against it, what would happen when you pulled it away? It would make a copy. It would take what it smooshed up against, and it would absorb that onto yourself. Don't know how it did it. Don't know why it did it. All I know is I did it so much that my silly putty went from being pink to black um, when I was a little kid. I remember that. Just like, that. wow, that won't even do it. It just kept absorbing it in and taking it all in. Well, I think humans, humans are like silly putty. And whatever we are closest to, that's what we become like. That is what we take on to ourselves. That is how we become. And unfortunately, and this is is for the, the church as well, I think we stand too close to the world and we take it on versus taking on the qualities of Christ. And it's a sad thing, something I don't like to say, something I wish I didn't have to say, but 
It's wrong, and we need to fix that. We need to fix that and says, you know what? Paul says, don't. Don't do that. Don't conform to the pattern of the world, but what? Be transformed. Transformed uh, is, is the Greek word for being changed or transfigured. Anybody in here a Lord of the Rings fan? It's got a couple of Lord of the Rings fans. Some of you don't. That's why I threw this up here. Anybody know who the guy is on the, the left versus the guy who's on the right? Same person. Two different names. It was the same person. And the reason why Smeagol became Gollum was because he chased after his precious, the ring, the power that the ring had, the things that it offered, the world that was out there, yet it changed him into something that was hideous and evil, and it pulled him away from what he was supposed to be and made him live longer than he was supposed to. And all the things that it did, all because he was chasing after something. We have the opportunity to chase either after God or we have the opportunity to chase after the things of the world. One's going to transform us to be more like it, and the other's going to be transform us to be more like it. What are you chasing? What are you trying to draw yourself close to? How are you being transformed? We desire to be transformed, but what we desire will transform us. After that, Paul says this transformation will happen with something we already talked about, and that is renewing, to make new again. The actual Greek word for renew is actually translated to renovate, to renovate. Anybody here ever done a renovation project before? Yeah. I know you guys have. You're always doing a renovation project. Um, renovation projects, I found them not to be that fun. Okay, we got to do one uh, end of November, early December last year. Uh, we decided we were going to get new carpet and tile in our house and uh, do it ourselves so it would be, it'd be cheaper to do it that way. And I had some, some friends help us out with some things. And there was a couple things that we did. Um, one, we had to take out old linoleum that had been there for as long as our house was, what, 20 years old. Uh, so it had all been in there, and it, was, it wasn't easy to get up. Um, had to take out all of that. Had to go in, and uh, we were putting some new cabinets, and there were shelves there. And we could have just kind of decorated the shelves and made them look good, but instead we took them out, and we took a sledgehammer, and we hammered them all out of there. But the thing that was the most work is uh, we have a, a, the back patios enclosed when we bought it, and the, the people that owned the house before us, they were hairdressers, and so they used that for their salon when we took out the old uh, ceramic tile. Uh, that was it was white and stained with hair dyes and all sorts of things and we just had rugs over the top of it we decided we're going to take it all out not just cover it up but take it all out not sure if you've ever taken out ceramic tile not an easy job i thought it would be so i had a chisel and a hammer that is not the way you go about it so i said oh just get a bigger hammer because that's what a man does so i went and got a bigger hammer and I'm in there, and the good thing is, like I said, it was a closed, it was a, a porch, so actually the wind, there's a window that closed off and an Arcadia door that closed it off. So I, I can make all kinds of noise in there. Well, it was about 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night, and I'm out there just with a sledgehammer. Bam! Bam! And it sounded like gunshot every time, and the neighbor actually came over. I said, Ever, everything okay over there? I said, everything's perfectly fine. He's like, well, I've got to kind of get up at work at 4, so if you could stop doing that, that'd be great. I said, oh, no problem at all. I'm tired of doing it anyway, because all it was doing was splintering stuff, and it was sending shards of ceramic tile into my leg, and I was bleeding, and I had cuts all over my hands from trying to scoop it up, even cutting through the gloves I had on. It was, it's a little bit brutal. So I finally got an air chisel, and, da, 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 and it, it wasn't any quieter, and there was dust everywhere. And it was just a mess, and it was a lot of work, and of course, I was sweating. So as I was sweating, all the red dust that was coming off was glued to my face, and I looked terrible. But now if you go in, you won't even know the difference. Everything is 
looks great and everything looks new and it looks fresh and the carpet looks great and the tile looks great and all the things that it took to renovate. When God says he wants us to renovate our minds, to renew our minds, that means we have to get all the junk out. Because there's a lot of junk that we put into our minds. The things we watch, the things we listen to, the people we talk to, the jokes we say, the way we act. All that stuff is in here. And we've got to tear that stuff out if we want to be what God wants us to be. Is it going to cause some pain? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be some work? Yep. Is it going to be noisy and people go, what's going on? Why, are everything okay in there? And you have to say, yep. The same type of mentality is we're tearing out all the junk that is in there. And you say, okay, well, if we tear all the stuff, what new stuff do we put in? I'm glad you asked because Philippians 4.8 tells us. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and worthy of praise. Would you say that the things that you watch, the things that you listen to, the things that you absorb, the toxins you take in without even really knowing about it because we assume it's normal, and even for the Christian culture, we assume it's normal, would you say that they fall into that category? Would you say that even as I told you, I went and watched Men in Black 3 this week. It's rated PG-13. There's so much stuff in there. As I was watching that, it's almost kind of like, should I even bother continuing to watch this because I already know what I'm going to do? Well, I was sucked in. and I, you know, We have plenty of justification and plenty of excuses and plenty of things that we say. But the things that we need to focus on are the things that are right and the things that are pure and the things that are true. We need to make sure that as we're tearing out that other junk, not just to fill it back up with junk, but to put in the things that are right. And it'd be real easy to just cover it up with rugs if we wanted to. But that's not what renovation is all about. It's about tearing out the old and putting in new. It's not going to be easy, but God gives us a promise in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases Him. He's working in us, but still, we have to choose. We have to choose to allow God to transform us or to be conformed to the world. What is your choice, and where are you going to be at in all of it? I'd like to finish off with a challenge that, uh, that Paul gave to a church in Ephesus and is very applicable for us today. It's found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 17 through 23. He said, with the Lord's authority I say this, live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against them. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes to make new again your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Let me tell you something. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. You might be mad at me right now. I understand that. I'm mad at myself. I hate the fact that I have to actually live what I preach. I hate that. But I know that's what God wants from me. And I know that it's going to be a struggle for me. And I know that there's going to be things in my life that, yeah, I really don't want to do that. But it's what God wants. And it's a fighting between, do I want to conform to the world or do I want to be transformed by Christ? What is it? 
What is it that I want? What is it that you want? God has given us a choice. He can't just go up there and buzz us with a lightning bolt and say, hey, this is what I need you to do. He's given us the choice. So today, you get to decide. I know you say, well, wait, wait, I, I have to choose today? Yes. Because to choose today or not to choose today is to make a choice. You can choose to follow Christ or you can choose not to. You can choose to follow Christ or you can choose the world. You can say, I really like the world. I like everything it has to offer. I'm going to just throw away my soul. I'm cool with that. That's your choice. It's one of the great things about God is that he's not forcing us to be robots. He's called us to follow him and love him. That is our choice today. I pray that you make the right choice. Normally, I would stand up here and say, hey, I'm going to have Jerome come up and sing a song, which I am going to have Jerome come up and sing a song. But I would, I would say that and say, I'm going to step back to the back, and I'd like to pray with you. I'd like to take some time and pray with you. But I think today, you don't need me. It's between you and God. Funny thing is, is that Jerome and I didn't talk about music. We didn't talk about the songs that were going to be. But today is the wonderful cross. And if you've heard the song, it says, the cross bids me to come and die so that I may truly live. And it wasn't intentional, but it, it's fitting. 